0: You are listening to the Diesel Powered Podcast, the voice of Diesel Punk, brought to you by Comic Bento. Get a mystery box of comics and graphic novels in your mailbox every month, fifty dollars worth at least, guaranteed, for less than twenty bucks. Visit mycomicbento.com for more. Also brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook on us at audibletrial.com slash dieselpoweredpodcast and now it's time for the Agent Carter Roundtable Hey there all you guys and gals, you hip cats, cool kittens. Welcome to the Diesel Powered Podcast, the voice of Diesel Punk on iTunes and Stitcher and around the interweb. This is the Agent Carter Roundtable and I am your host, the artist also known as Big Daddy Cool and I'm coming to you live from the Houdini Room in Nashville, Tennessee, Joining me via the magic of the digital age is the one, the only, Mr. Ken Sharkey from New Orleans.
1: Greetings and salutations.
0: And from Memphis, Tennessee, the daring damsel of the skies, Daisy O'Dare.
2: Good evening, friends.
0: And Charles, are you still in Florida? I certainly am. The man, the myth, the legend, the author of Dragonfly... Charles Cornell.
3: Good to be here again.
0: Well, guys, we are getting started early this week because we're covering a two-hour episode or a two-parter, two episodes in one night. And um, so that we can get everything in, we're uh, starting a little bit early tonight. Now, I've got to admit something to our audience. I am going off of pure memory from watching these two episodes two days ago. Normally I watch them on Tuesday night and then I come back and I watch them again on Thursday uh, on Hulu on my iPad at lunch and um, I went to get it out of my backpack at work and and lo and behold my daughter had absconded with my iPad the night before. So I've only seen these two episodes once and uh, there was a lot to process in these two episodes now. I'm going to let you guys do most of the talking, but, uh, I will say there were some things in this that absolutely thrilled me, and there were some things in these two episodes that I was really disappointed by. Um, mm-hmm. some of my predictions about some central characters did come true, a little bit sooner than I thought, actually. But, um, anyway, so, uh, the biggest thrill for me, guys, and let's see, this episode was called, uh, the first episode in this two-parter was called, what was it called?
2: Life, of, Life the party. of the
0: Party. Life of the Party. And, you know, one of the best things about this episode, and Charles, I know you are happy as can be because we talked about it last week, is the return of Bridget Reagan as the very yeah. incredible entertaining dottie underwood
3: yeah. Mm-hmm. oh yeah don't get me started are we going to start there <laughs> well we can you know no. we can
0: start wherever you guys want um you know she was uh you know we loved her in season 1 we got teased at the beginning of the season 2 and i thought to use the the appropriate adjective i thought she was just delicious in this episode
3: i i couldn't agree more in fact i i'd have to say that you know as we talk through this um, one of the vignettes we're going to talk about is probably one of the best so far in this season and maybe in both seasons but we'll get there
0: yeah so um ken i know you take meticulous notes so uh, why don't you kick us off with the uh, top of the episode here?
1: Well, as we left off, dear viewers or listeners, from last week's episode, Ms. Dr. Wilkes had started to phase out while Peggy was upset in her bed. We join Professor Wilkes in a another dimension-type setting, almost ghostly-like, as he's confused and somewhat bothered and turns to see a dark rift opening up near him. As he starts to reach to it, we can hear Peggy's voice calling out to him in a ghostly type manner. Everything around him is phased and kind of black and white. And finally he snaps out with Peggy getting out of the bed and approaching him.
0: That was an excellent recap of that <laughs> opening scene. You're hired.
3: <laughs> yeah, let me let me add my two cents worth because um This is what uh, authors call the ticking bomb. Uh, uh, Jason Wilkes has reinforced that he doesn't know when or he doesn't know where, uh, where he's going or when he's going. But if he goes, Peggy is lost. The bomb is starting to tick. So they started out with a a bang, an implied bang right off the bat. Mm. And uh, that was great, great script writing there. Yep, and so
1: basically we get Wilkes and he, he snaps back and he starts freaking out, which, I mean, is is understandable um, because he's realizing that he is losing his um, his anchor to the world that he's formerly known. And uh, what I loved about this this scene between um, Wilkes and uh, Carter is that Carter snaps him out of it out of his freak out by basically telling him what do we know like get back to the scientific fact what do we know and immediately for 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 a brief moment snaps him back to i'm a you know i'm a scientist i can i can fix this with science and i thought that was i thought that was great
0: yeah absolutely and um Daisy, your your thoughts on this opening sequence?
2: On the uh, the opening sequence with uh, Dr. Wilkes? Yeah. Well I was uh kind of um kinda of terrifying to see things from his perspective. We finally get kind of a uh, a view of what uh, it looks like from the point of view of somebody who's going through the dark matter. And um, I think um, he was, you know, I thought it was kind of uh, showing you exactly what it does to you because I was wondering, you know, how it felt for the person who was affected by it and seeing that point of view was kind of shocking, especially the way it started out.
0: Yeah. So I, I, again, I'm, I'm short on memory here. So uh, Charles help me out. Does, does Wilkes realize or or have the revelation that really all he needs is to get more zero matter or come into contact with it to anchor himself?
3: Well, he, he talks about building the containment center, that the, the idea is somehow um, in order... The first step is to prevent himself from disappearing into the ether. He has to contain himself, and then the zero matter added inside the containment center somehow going to stabilize it stabilize him or solidify him Uh, and it's really not explained how that happens i think we go back to the time when the zero matter was in its own little bubble and uh it didn't hurt anybody and but it couldn't go anywhere so that's the implication
0: so we know where there's more zero matter to be had and, um, Pe- Peggy, I think is the one who suggests that, Hey, all we got to do is get a blood sample from Whitney. And that's, that's simple, right? what's that?
3: That's simple, right?
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, she's, she's, uh, incapacitated because she's had rebar go through her. Um, Rose conveniently is missing because of a family emergency. That bugged me that 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 really bugged me um you know I thought it would have been simple enough yeah. for you know Souza to take charge and say listen Rose did great on the last mission, but this is something altogether different and and that yeah. would have been adequate I but mean, instead see
2: more of her anyway
0: well I do too and and I was just I was very disappointed that they wrote her out of this episode and it was just so nonchalant as uh, she she had to leave she had to leave town um well, thought... if you
3: remember if you remember john uh, last last episode when, when when i was commenting about how i really didn't like the injury to agent carter and all that transpired and going to violets and getting medical care sort of in somebody's living room and and all that and it really puzzled me well now we know why this is a device to get Dottie back into the plot
0: Oh, absolutely.
3: And and it, when when that happened, it's like, oh, I, I feel like I was sort of bamboozled. It's like, oh, my God, you know, of course. How else are you going to get Dottie there? How else are you going to get her freed from her imprisonment and active as as actually on their side? So they they knew what they were doing at the time they injured Agent Carter to make her unable to to be a participant in this mission at least the, the way that she normally is but i don't know whether you, what do you think of the th- thought of that it was a, a twist that i'm not I, I don't know i'm on the fence about
0: well you know <clears throat> I, I didn't have the same problem with peggy's injury that that the rest of you guys did um i, I was shocked by it i, I thought okay how, where do they go from here um but but you're right when when in this scene, they, they, their resources are pretty much um, used up or unavailable. And that's when Peggy says, Well, I've got a terrible idea. And her idea, of course, is to go break Dottie Underwood out and recruit her to be part of their team and, and go on this mission in Peggy's place. You know, at that moment, I was like, oh, Okay, of course, this makes perfect sense. I was just disappointed that Rose was conveniently absent and we don't see anything else of Dr. Uh, Samberly. I was a little bit disappointed by that.
1: No, we, you know, that is true. You know, we, we don't see Rose. We don't see Samberly, but we do get to see one of your favorites. Yes. A certain redhead
0: on <laughs> I mean, a Jarvis is back,
1: but even yes, before that, to see her again. Even before that, we did miss a part. Okay. Uh, we did miss the part where Chadwick walks in on Frost talking to herself again. Oh yes. In the mirror. I'm starting to suspect that there is another entity involved here. Because this is twice now that we've caught Frost talking to quote unquote herself, explaining what's what what the plan is, what's going on. Now, at this point, then Chadwick tells Frost, I've gone ahead, I've contacted the, the council, and I had to pull some strings, I had to cash in my chips, but they're wanting to talk to you. And that's a big deal. Because, yeah. as she says, they never meet with any outsiders, as we've been saying, especially females. So, that's a, you know, that's a really big scene. Now, for Charles, the break from that scene to where we see Stark's house is incredibly important to Charles because we hear the flamingo. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yes, we do. Yes, we do.
1: And then we go into seeing uh, Carter's bedroom with Jarvis fixing up... Uh, Carter's wombs while Anna's there and um, you know you know then she gets kind of emotional because she's realizing how dangerous the job is that her husband is is involved with
0: yeah <clears throat> yeah and you know one of the things that struck me was uh haley At- once again haley Atwell's acting her physical Acting, and, and acting out that injury was phenomenal. There were a couple of times in this episode where I had to remind myself, she's not really injured. The person playing this part is healthy. But, you know, I I really felt her pain, and it started in this episode, you know, with her struggling to even walk to get out of bed. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, and, and that again you know we talk about the writing on this but some of the best scenes and some of the most profound scenes have no dialogue at all and here's one of those examples with mrs jarvis just looking down at the bed and that bowl of blood-filled water mm-hmm. and and you feel the the gravity on her shoulders in just yes. that 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 scene
1: while jarvis is giving first
0: aid yeah. Yeah.
2: And it's right on top of those nice sheets. <laughs> well, I mean if they're going to
1: if they if they're going if they're going to do medical procedures on top of a couch, then they're fine doing it on top of pristine expensive bed sheets. I guess.
0: Anyways. Yeah, so they uh, they cook up a plan. They're uh, they're going to get a sample of uh, Whitney Frost Blood. There's a, there's a big charity ball. She's going to be there because it's a, a fundraiser for Chadwick's campaign. And because Mr. Stark, Howard Stark, donates to all of the politicians, mm-hmm. uh, because, you know, you, you got to keep every wheel greased. Mm-hmm. He's got two tickets and Jarvis is in possession of them but who's going to be his dance partner and that's when we flash back to was is she in washington do we know where uh, underwood is locked up
1: all we know is that she's locked up in an undisclosed location in a place where six walls won't hold her
0: yeah that was that was really great a really yeah. great description
3: and this is where i'd like to jump into and say that 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 interplay between uh peggy carter and and Dottie underwood was brilliant brilliantly scripted and it wasn't because of what was said but what was not said the eye eye contact between them the innuendo between them the point counterpoint of of uh you know, Dottie sort of, uh, kind of answering, uh, or, or, or giving the plan without even being told what the plan was, because she knew why Agent Carter was there, uh, and she she they have this—it's this very clever brilliance, if you wish. They're both highly intelligent people, and they don't—they finish each other's sentences. They don't really need to do a lot of explanation, and when they scripted that out. I thought it was potentially one of the best uh, bits of dialogue in the entire two seasons so far. I really loved it. I thought it was yeah, great. I got I to say, you know,
1: Bridget Reagan, who, who plays Dottie Underwood, it, it's like
3: everything she's in, she's she's stealing that scene. Oh, yeah. And she and plays she, that character yeah. so well. Oh, so I mean, well. Just incredible. I mean, it, it even gets better, to be honest. hmm when they dress her up later we'll talk about it but i mean she's just there in her prison garb but her face and her expression is sort of hard (laughs) uh hard but soft and what i'm trying to say about that is like she's a beautiful woman she's got very fine features but Mm -hmm. the way she talks and the way she looks those those eyes could could kill you uh you know and that's exactly the impression that is uh Being try that they're trying to leave with you is that this is someone that's so extraordinarily dangerous that six walls won't uh, uh, won't contain them. I thought that was a great line too. Come on, Peggy, keep up. Six walls. It's like okay, yeah, ceiling and the floor. Um, And uh, you know, I mean, from Peggy's perspective, it's okay. You know, let's let's put a psychopathic killer on on a leash and see what happens. Why not? you know it's like wow that's a great great thing
2: uh yeah the let's put a diamond collar on her yeah
3: yeah
0: well you know that whole scene <clears throat> you're right charles the 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 back and forth between them uh was fantastic but again the expression on Dottie's face you know it, it's one that's really hard to read because you can't you know you can't really figure out does she see peggy as an adversary or as a, um, a, as a kindred spirit, or is there some kind of other kind of attraction?
3: Well, I think there was some bargaining going on there. And I think at the end, my impression was that she got uh, Dottie had, had the uh, come to the conclusion that the enemy of my enemy is my friend. And so, you know, Peggy Carter is on her side because she's got she can see in her mind you you kind of read between the lines she says the only way I'm going to escape this place is if they trust me so I'm going to do that and then when they when they actually let me loose, I'm going to play along only so far you get the impression that this plot that they've got to get this blood is uh, the zero matter. Is really uh, a very uh, fraught with danger, not not from the perspective of Whitney, but from the perspective of Dottie, and that's really why it's so brilliant, is because you're actually using uh, the enemy to fight the enemy.
1: Yeah, and there was a something that because I'm actually kind of watching it on Hulu while we're while we're talking. There's also a lot of very interesting things that are said during this whole interaction that I think kind that some people might overlook with all the other work you know the, the the fencing the verbal fencing that was going on and whatnot and that's the fact that you know Peggy when we come back from the scene where Wilkes has upset Anna about talking about how the mission is you know, really dangerous, and there's going to be no backup and everything like that. And you know, poor Anna drops the you know drops the device that she's working on for Wilkes. We come back and Peggy's holding the lapel pin again, and the whole that whole part right there, I think, is really interesting because Peggy mentions that neither the Russian government nor Leviathan have made any attempts to rescue her and
0: or or to even bargain for her
1: right so that immediately put a red flag for me that she isn't working for either one of those so who is she working for and what struck me interesting too is that Dottie at this point goes well it's a key to opening to opening up all the secrets of the people who actually run the cesspool of a country so who is, if the Russian government and the Leviathan aren't the ones trying to get this key, who is?
0: Hmm. Good observation. Mm-hmm. Really good. Um, so let's talk about the ball. Um, and, and let's talk about that dress that Dottie Underwood wore
2: now aren't we skipping something aren't we skipping like what we get to see what she's equipped with and what situation she's in when she wakes up because i thought that was kind of a
0: oh a- oh well you're you're right um first of all charles we get some more of that amazing stories tech right with
3: Mag- the
0: with the magnetic tumbler uh yeah thing of the d- jig
3: how she gets out and then i love the thing about um Agent Carter says, "Well, of course, when you get out of here, you want to turn right. Right. Of course, the first thing she does is turn left, and they knew yeah. that. So you've got, yeah, you've got a bunch of little tech things there. You've got the the devices that allow uh, Dottie Underwood to get out of the jail cell, and then you've got this thing that's kind of like a diesel punk version of Spider-Man's web shooter."
2: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that was cool. <laughs> yeah,
3: the the sort of nets Dottie as she turns left around the corner to find that uh, it was all set that uh, uh, for a trap.
0: Yeah, so when when he when he shot that net out at her, I was like, wait wait a minute, are you kidding me? This isn't going to hold Dottie Underwood. What what are you doing here, Souza? But then, oh, w- zap. Yeah, the this, this,
3: it
1: with zap. They also um Peggy also uses one of Dottie's devices. Oh, does anyone does anyone remember what that was? Okay. When she opens the opens the door to her cell, what's wrong with the guard?
0: Oh, he's been kissed.
1: Uh, yes. Uh-huh.
2: uh-huh.
0: Yeah, she uses her
2: lipstick.
0: yeah, her knockout lipstick. Yep. Yep, yep, and I, I liked the little tag there um, at the end of <laughs> Dottie's capture, where uh, you know she's been electrified in the net, and uh, Peggy goes back over, and or he grabs it from Susan, gives her one more just for good measure.
2: Yeah, that's yeah. like what Peggy did with uh, with Hugh Jones.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right, well, okay, before we, before we get to the ball, am I missing anything else?
2: Well, uh, when, the, um,
1: uh, oh, go ahead.
2: When, when Dottie comes to, there's this loud noise, and she can see Peggy and Jarvis talking, but she can't hear what they're saying, and it's because they've got her stuck under one of those big old-school hair dryers, and they've got her <laughs> all dressed up. And that's where she's given her assignment.
0: Yes. And and given the, uh, they're using the hairdryer to keep information from her. Um, and, and we
2: get some really funny um, physical stuff from Jarvis during this scene, I think. He's miming all the cool gadgets he wants to get. He's miming how he wants <laughs> to have a, a cane with a sword in it, or maybe poison pills that he can cause someone to collapse with. And he mimes like drinking poison and we get some really good physical comedy out of him in that bit. Yeah, that
0: that 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 was good. Um,
1: we, we also get um, again uh, really good wordplay between Carter and uh, Dotty. By when Carter is explaining the choker to Dotty, Dotty goes, "Well, I hope I can return a favor and give you a choker of myself one day." Ouch.
0: Yeah, that was good. That was good yeah, stuff. This is
3: a- We've got we've got uh, a Tiffany leash on a psychopathic killer. (laughs) uh, Right? This 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 Tiffany necklace is supposed to be the control uh, over this person. I mean, it's just um, you know really almost it it is it's plausible but implausible. I actually bought into it and um, I thought well okay that that makes some sense. Very Mission Impossible terms of some of the the devices they're using and then doing it all retro like this. I thought it was good.
0: Yeah. If she removes the necklace, she's uh, injected with a psychotropic gas that will kill her.
3: Yes.
1: Uh Also real quick before we get to the, uh, to the whole fundraiser ball. um, There's also a a pretty decent scene between Chadwick and Frost again with uh, Frost not wanting to go um because her face is cracked even more um and Chadwick you know trying to convince her you know this I'm doing this for you I'm doing this for us you know I believe in you if you watch his phys- his physicality though you can start to sense something might be wrong though even though he's telling her Perhaps. I'm yes. doing this for you I started to get the sense oh he is setting her up
3: he's telegraphing his intentions Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. and of course then being the crazy nitpicker I, I am when she was upset that she didn't want to go to the ball because of her face I found it really weird that she's wearing a purple dress and he pulls a purple hat with a purple veil that perfectly matches the dress that she's wearing to cover up her face and I'm like you would have thought she would have thought of that But
2: maybe he got it made
1: uh, he, he pulls it from the top of the shelf where all her other hats are sitting which kind of led me to believe it's been there um,
0: but yeah uh, he's just he's just got an eye for fashion
1: oh you know yeah, yeah. but again it, and a a, a a great little scene but definitely one that's important because it kind of drops a hint that Chadwick is up to something because of the way he While while she's thanking him for the veil and the hat, uh, you see this kind of look on his face like, oh, God, I hope this works, you know?
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, Absolutely. So did anyone else notice... um, Peggy, uh, not Peggy, but uh, Dottie's ball gown. Did anyone else notice... What the design elements were meant to suggest?
2: Uh, oh, I
1: saw yes. a
2: little bit of a a Black Widow kind of looking on there, if I'm yeah. not mistaken.
0: Yeah, absolutely. That the red <clears throat> center uh, piece, the kind of the corset piece, it, it, as you look at it, it, it's very reminiscent of the Marvel Black Widow design that they use in the comics and so now we're tying her in even more with the greater Marvel universe and reaffirming that that shared origin with Natasha Romanov from the Avengers and um, I thought that was a great touch
3: well I thought that it was a great way to redefine the little black dress because it was perfect I mean you've got a psychopath what other colors could you possibly want except black for the heart and red for the blood you know that to me just is like a a psychopath's um, tuxedo that she was wearing perfect and then matching it with the red lipstick and then at the the end of the scene adding the red hat just to top it off Mm -hmm. literally I mean it was just perfect it was really really good
0: well, and it was about this time in the episode where I started to feel like, as much as I love Dottie, um, she she was stealing the scene and uh, the the her character almost overshadowed everybody else.
1: Oh yeah, yeah. When she starts flirting with Wilkes, you know, telling him, "Well, won't you come over here, puppy?" You know, and you know, it's like, it it knows that. Carter is protective of him can't quite figure out why so she continues to look past Carter to Wilkes and then the fact that he walks by her and she reaches out to grab his arm and he goes right you know she goes right through him yeah no I thought that was I thought that was great
0: and you know I thought it was um, an interesting dangerous but appropriate choice To pair Dottie with Jarvis going Mm -hmm. to the ball. I mean, he's the one with the tickets. He's the one representing Mr. Stark. So, obviously they've got to do that. And their dialogue and their character interaction (laughs) and the way she tried to fluster him but he was able to to verbally spar equally well with her was really really great.
3: And and you also know that pairing, something bad is going to happen. I mean, Jarvis is the comic foil, and he's he's always got somebody looking after him. Uh, usually, Agent Carter. Dottie's not going to look after him, so you know that if he if he stumbles, if he stubs his toe, looks the wrong way, you know what's you know what's coming. So that that pairing immediately increases the suspense that, okay, what is really going to happen here? This is not going to co- go as planned.
0: Well, and surprisingly, though, the 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 fly in the ointment for their plan is not Jarvis. Well, it's not right. Dottie. It's Vernon and Agent Thompson right. showing up. The
2: blonde yeah. one. Yeah,
0: yeah, the blonde one. And, and right away we've got a problem because Vernon and Thompson know both Jarvis and know Dotty, and they know Dottie is supposed to be locked up
1: mm-hmm. right.
0: and so now they've got to dance around each other and they've got to avoid Vernon and Thompson or as Jarvis brilliantly does engages the enemy you know face on
2: well, mean, there's no prize she... on
0: Thompson. <laughs> well, but right. Thompson sees him in. Wait, I mean, say that to, again, Daisy.
2: I mean, Thompson sees him and instantly knows what's going on. <laughs> he immediately is just, where's Carter? Well, <laughs> Cause he knows something's going on.
0: Yeah. Well, sure. But I mean, Jarvis was able to tell the absolute truth and paint a beautiful lie all in the same at the same time
2: indeed indeed
0: and um yeah you know thompson is he, he thinks something's up but you know it makes sense that howard stark has tickets to this event and he's out of the country so i'm going to use them and um yeah so Dottie though <laughs> takes Jarvis's distraction of Thompson as her cue to go find Frost and to uh, complete the mission. They do intersect in the uh, in the ladies' room. She does capture the the blood sample and then uh, leaves her hat, which is a radio transmitter in in the bathroom beside the water running. And uh, decides she's going to find a place to hide. And conveniently, she hides in the uh, file closet of the secret room of the uh, Council of Nine.
1: Well, if if I may, I wanted to point out again something that happened uh, before this. The, The... The fact when they first, you know, when they see Thompson and <clears throat> Dottie's response immediately is, "Can I kill him?" Everyone was <laughs> like, "No." Yeah. And and then you know she actually makes an attempt to do something to Thompson, and you see Jarvis just sweep in and sweep her away. But again, we have a we have a moment where Jarvis just goes full, almost like military drill sergeant on her and basically dresses her down as you will follow what the mission is or else. And you even see Dada kind of like, kind of take a half step back, like, damn.
0: She she kind of liked that. Yes, sir.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, she is one of those personalities that likes you know, to be met by that toughness. But I, I, you know, I'm I'm going back to the whole Jarvis thing. That was a, a, an interesting uh, revelation again on his character that he just was like, no, enough's enough. This is what you're doing. Sorry, just wanted to throw that in there because it was in my notes.
3: Yeah, (laughs) yeah. And, and, and we shouldn't also forget the interaction that occurs before the sample is obtained where Thompson's corralled by oh. Vernon Masters and Hugh yep. Jones. And that's the point at which Peggy Carter is now on the run. Before there was a lot of suspicion, she had to take vacation to stay in LA. She's you know, the what's she doing? Is she screwing things up as an agent on our side? Now she's she's public enemy number one. And of course this is set up by Vernon Masters to uh you know take her out of the equation and so that that changes a little bit of the dynamics of this because from this point forward now she's sort of going undercover well
0: but, and he uses those words doesn't he to thompson he says you need to take her out take her out yeah
3: well he's
1: he says that he says out. that in a little bit he says it's, that in a little that. bit but he does he he walks thompson through the room and he starts pointing out the big players
3: right and
1: it, and it—he's—he's it, he's beginning to. Um, oh man, what's the right word for this? Um,
0: he's um, doing the sales pitch.
1: Well, it's more than the sales. He's grooming. He's grooming Thompson. He's—he's he's enticing him that you know, he, if he wants to be a big player within the command structure of the government, uh, when the SSR becomes obsolete. These are the big players. He is going to have to, you know, t- to please, and he is in, in in a roundabout way, kind of bringing Thompson into the into the fold of 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 the, um, the the Council of Nine in a way because he's these are the people you need to please. This person, this person handles all the money. Oh, this gentleman over here handles all the news. You know, west of the Mississippi. And, uh, yeah, he's grooming. He's grooming Thompson right there.
0: Well, do you think he's really grooming him, or do you think he's using him? Because the feeling I get from Vernon is that he doesn't – he's not ge- genuine. There, there, There's nothing in anything he says to Thompson, in my opinion, that you can believe other than who the players are. He's being honest about that, but – yeah, you know, I think he's just playing Thompson as long as Thompson's useful.
3: I, I, yeah, I don't know. I, I I kind of tend to agree with Ken. Not. I think Thompson here is is on the fence between um, what we would call the the uh, the real world of the government and the, the responsibilities he's been given, and how law and order is supposed to work, and the shadow government and. And Vernon's been playing him throughout these episodes, almost every episode, the corrupt uh, nature of the shadow government and the reward. Well, first of all, there's a certain amount of danger in opposing them. And I think that danger is there. Um, It certainly uh, manifests itself in this episode. But, um, you know, Thompson is really being recruited. And I think... uh, we don't know if he's totally bought in or not, but this is the point at which we now start to see uh, the power structure being named. Uh, the person who owns all the newspapers and that's basically, you know, controls the media. Uh, Hugh Jones has got the technology in with with um, with rocks on. So you know, now all of a sudden, Thompson is starting to to place his bets. You know, the odds are starting to be stacked against the normal law and order and are in the favor of the shadow government and now it's up to him to make that choice we think we know which choice he's making we're not quite sure if he'll he'll come back to the good side
0: yeah um and did anyone else kind of have a uh, an 80s fanboy flashback with uh Vernon and Hugh Jones does anyone know what I'm talking about no Robocop. Oh yeah. Yeah, they were uh they they were sided together in uh the original Robocop as well.
1: Oh wow. Oh and, and and may I be uh may I be allowed to have a super nerd moment, please? Do
0: it Uber Geek Alert
1: Uber Geek moment So Thomas uh, Gloucester who was pointed out by Vernon, um, is a actual Marvel Universe character. Uh, he was part of the Elites, part of the Secret Empire, and his first appearance was in Thunderbolts, number 31. Unfortunately, the other gentleman, Hayes, I couldn't find anything on him. <laughs> so at least one of them that was pointed out in the Marvel Universe is an actual Secret Empire or, uh, yeah, Secret Empire, Council of Nine character.
0: So for, for those of you who um, aren't following along with the Secret Empire, what's really interesting about that is that in Avengers Age of Ultron, they allude to the Secret Empire when Ultron is in the church and is wearing the red cloak, the red hood, um in the comics he posed as a character called the Crimson Cowl who led the Secret Empire. Ah. And and yeah. So um little little Uber Geek stuff there, Easter eggs. Anyway.
3: And we now return you to your normally scheduled podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we should we should get right to the heart of the matter, which is Yes. Whitney and the, and the council and uh, what they attempt to do and uh, oh. uh, what uh, she oh. how she responds.
0: Yeah, was big I spoiler alert.
3: I had a problem with this, but go ahead. Please go.
0: Oh, well, you go ahead. I'm just going to let everyone listening, if you haven't seen this episode, we are about to unleash some major spoilers. Absolutely. Go on.
1: All right, so we have Whitney Frost goes in front of the council, pulls out a rat, does her do we do on the rat with the dark matter uh you know council uh, looks astonished um and the the gentleman at the end of the table who kind of gives off this pseudo-ish kind of leadership uh feel um says well we thought you were you were crazy but uh we can see that now that you know you were correct um Whitney Frost, you know, talks about how she apologized. You know, she apologizes for uh, her misinterpretation of dark matter uh, as being just an energy source, but can actually be used to take over the world. I guess, in, in a matter of speaking, um, and and then Chadwick embraces his wife kisses her, and apologizes. And we have two guys who come in with dog catcher th- leashes. And I was just like, guys, this woman has an ability. Yeah. You don't, well, don't quite here. understand, and you're you're going to use dog catcher leashes? Well, okay, nope, so don't. in their
0: defense, I think the council thought this was a parlor trick. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think even, I don't even think Chadwick at this point Thinks that she has the amount of power that she has because, in the past, up until this point, she's had to touch you to all affect right. you, right. and that all goes out the window in this scene.
1: And allow me, and allow me to play devil's advocate here. This is a council of nine who have been systematically running things behind the scenes in this country for quite a long time. One would think that the survival of a group of men like this would be dependent upon them using every means necessary or being able to possibly account for and foresee any trouble that might occur. It just seemed very anti-cl- anti-climatic, very, anti- very sloppy uh, for a group group of men who have been able to survive being a shadow government for so long using dog catcher collars. Alright Daisy That's that
0: just me. Daisy, yeah? you were about to interject there your thoughts on this.
2: Oh I've actually I've been watching the scene while we've been talking about it and I got so engrossed in it I forgot what I was gonna say. But <laughs> Dottie you see Dottie occasionally watching through this lattice, watching the whole scene take place. And you know, her gears have started working. She, she wants to know what this dark matter is about and what it can do for her. I'm wondering if she's trying to figure out what it can do for her and her purposes at this point.
3: Yeah, and I think, I think going back to to what Ken says too, um, if if what happens in the end when um, Whitney Frost obviously takes command, if 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 they were actually able to contain her in some way, there wouldn't be a story. I mean, this what? is this, this is the turning point in the whole story. You've got up until this point, this Council of Nine has been mysterious. It's been supreme. It has its fingers in everything. You've got the Rockson. Connection, the Isodine connection. Now we're introduced to some characters who control, you know, the, the, the newspapers, the stock market, all of these connections, and then all of a sudden, the whole world literally comes crashing down on them. Um, half of them get—you don't call it vaporized. I don't even know what you call what she does to them. They but, get
2: dark mattered.
3: Um, they get yeah, they get uh, yeah, and so uh, and then of course we get to the point where. She turns on her husband, knowing that it's a trap. I mean, this is the the turning point uh, of this whole this what we've been building up to. Yeah, really. and the whole 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 season we've been building up to this very moment.
0: Yeah, and I I said that Chadwick was not going to make it out of this series alive. I I didn't think it would happen in the very next episode when I made that prediction, but <laughs> yep, he uh, bought the farm. Rest in peace. Senator-to-be Chadwick. And, and, you know, um, and you know as soon as he uh, uh, Whitney turns cats? to the remaining four members of the Council of Nine and uh, basically says, hey, gentlemen, I'm in charge. Anybody got a problem with that? And uh, I loved Hugh Jones' answer. No, ma'am.
3: <laughs> yeah, he sucks well, big, you... big time.
2: That's what you just say to a woman who could kill you with her bare hands.
3: Yeah. I mean, this is this is the dynamic we've got. This is the turning point. The whole world's been turned upside down for these guys. The evil-on-evil evil contest is as, uh, we've got a, a victor. And so now uh, – and, and with the consequence of Chadwick being eliminated – is obviously this whole idea about him going to politics, becoming a senator, maybe a president, at some point in time, and that's all vaporized with the dark matter uh, as well. So, you know, now you look at it and say, okay, she's truly at the top of the pyramid now, and that really sets in motion the rest of the uh, uh, the rest of the series. We've got to find out what happens. How do we defeat this person? Yeah. So. I'm gonna fast
0: forward a little bit, um, kind of wrap us up on this episode so we can get to the next one, uh, Monster. But um Dottie is witnessing all of this happening in the uh in the file closet. She uh they leave, she emerges, and as she's uh trying to get out of the building, she's met with uh I think some of uh Manfredi's goons.
1: No, uh, Vernon. Vernon runs into her with uh, two of his guys.
0: All right. Okay. Yeah. But she takes them apart. And, um, but she gets caught. Yes. How, how did she get caught?
1: Thompson walks up behind her and puts a pistol to her head and then knocks her out.
0: That's right. That's right. Um, and, and so we're, we're left with her being caught. And, um, but but the vial of zero matter has been dropped and left behind, and I think it's not until the next episode where we we see what happened with that vial.
1: No, uh, actually, um, Jarvis was able to retrieve it uh, while he uh, before he got kicked out by hotel security, so he found the what remained of the fight scene and was able to find the pile
0: there was there was one part in this kind of this final scene as we wrap up that did feel out of place to me and that's uh peggy and susa in the van they've been giving direction and surveilling uh jarvis and dotty through their radio transmitters jarvis is in his glasses dotty's in her hat and um you know, Jarvis is now on a mission to find Dottie, going up the stairs. This is how he's going to find the vial at the fight scene. But um, he overhears their conversation, where Souza is telling Peggy, "No, Violet left me because she thinks I'm in love with you. In the oh, middle of all and of this by the way, we I'm going to kiss it. you now."
2: <laughs> As if it wasn't exciting enough, we got to have this little. This little thing just kind of pushed in there, and it's like, there's plenty going on. <laughs> plenty going on.
0: And, and it's not that the scene doesn't need to happen. It's just that it was a very awkward placement.
2: Yeah, it wasn't a good place for it.
0: And, but I did love that they were interrupted by one of uh, Vernon's men's bodies crashing on the roof, taking a spill as Dottie thrust him from a window. idea yeah yeah charles did you have any problem with that
3: um no not really i mean this this romantic subplot has been woven in and out of the whole season um you kind of kind of expected it to come up somewhere we're we're getting we're we're getting a lot of action in these last couple of weeks uh, last week and, and then this week and um you know, it's, it must be pretty hard for the script writers to keep that subplot going. So, I like the way they did it. Um, being in the van together alone gives them the opportunity to talk. Um, having the uh, having the conversation overheard by by Jarvis later on uh, sets up another scene later on in the episode or part two of this two-hour show. And then finally, the the the, the moment of of them kissing was interrupted by. You know, of course, uh, something falling on the roof of the van. So, it it was uh, it was okay. I, 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 how else are you going to do it? Um, when you've got all this action, all these all these things you want to do, how else are you going to keep that subplot rolling along? They did as good a job as they could.
0: Yeah. Okay. Well. Good. Um, I'll I'll go along with you on that. <laughs> um, any any last thoughts on this episode before we get to Monster?
1: Well, we do have the uh, important part, important scene where, and to touch on the romance a little bit. Um, so we have uh, Carter, Caesar go back to uh, Stark's labs, trying to fix the uh, tracking device so they can try and track down Dottie, because now they're fearful that she's on the loose. Uh, and Wilkes is trying to explain to them, hey, you know, uh, we'll we drew up the plans for the containment thing, and uh, that's when Jarvis walks in and says, oh, um, Thompson is here to see you. At which point, Sousa is willing to throw himself as the White Knight in front of the Saber, uh, and Peggy's like, no, I will go ahead and talk to him. Uh, And then we see what we saw in a former episode, where now the tables have turned, and now Wilkes it's seeing a connection between Carter and Souza. So Carter walks in and starts talking to Thompson. And, uh, that actually turns out to be for me, a very interesting scene. Um, I get, I'll, you know, if anyone wants to talk about it before I throw my two cents on it.
3: Yeah. It's, you know. it's, it's an ultimatum, right? Um, Peggy's basically um, not backing down uh, and she's going to she, she's threatening to leave service basically right did you
1: get did 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 you get the feeling Charles though that um, in a roundabout way Thompson was kind of trying to protect her because I kind of got that because whereas Vernon had told him to destroy her life, find all the dirt you could, just decimate her so any of this crap that she has found out won't hold any water. The 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 conversation between Thompson and Peggy, it, even though it was like you know, just let it go when you're wrong, admit that you're wrong, it, it felt like there was an undertone of, Carter, please just get on the plane with me, let's get out of here. You know, you keep, this is this is bigger than any of us.
3: Yeah, it shows that he hasn't totally bought into the the dark side of the shadow government. That he'll mm. do any anything they say. He's still got a conscience. He's still got a degree of choice. He's presenting an option for her that um, he hopes that she'll take. And of course, she just completely um, you know, she's. I mean, she says. I'm absolutely convinced that I'm right, and I and
1: almost get the feeling that like he knew that was going to be the answer because he's just like, yeah. all right, take care of yourself, and just, and then that, I mean, there's no yelling, screaming, arguing with her. He's just like, all right, Peggy, take care of yourself, and just walks out of the room.
3: Yeah, and that that is a way of for him to absolve the guilt of what he thinks he needs to do. Mm-hmm. It's that he gave her the chance? She backed she she backed away from the opportunity to to do what he wanted to do and so now all the gloves are off and he can do anything now without a feeling that he hadn't tried he he had to try and uh, so we we do see Jack Thompson's character still you know if, if he was sitting on the fence half and half he's now like three quarters of the way over he's still got a little bit left but not much
0: yeah I felt like he was protecting her
3: he gave her a chance, and uh, uh, for his own own thinking, that you know, he can sleep at night if something bad happened to her.
1: Well, I also felt that if he had really wanted to be, if, if he really had wanted to, he would have. It would have been like, there would have been two other agents with him or something like that, and it would have yeah. been like, no, you're getting on the, no, <coughs> yeah. take her, let's go. And yeah. instead, it's like. Please tell me you know what you're doing. Please let me know. It was almost like this, you know, subconscious, like please let you know. Please tell me that you're gonna you're gonna win this fight. And he the the, the conversation he was just kind of like weaving it, and she's like, no, he's like, are you willing? How much are you willing to bet on this? And she's like, everything. And I kind of got you know, kind of got the feeling that at that point he was like, she's got you know, or, or like she knows she knows what she's up against. I need I I need to get
3: out of this out of the picture
0: Well the, the... go no, ahead Daisy
3: I, I, see it. I, I see it slightly differently though Ken. I, I think that what he's trying to do is absolve himself of guilt I think he feels guilty about taking her down and because he's going, to, he's, going to ha- he's faced with he's going to have to commit 100% at some point that's where he's headed uh, at some point in time he's going to have to say I'm one of them and he doesn't want the guilt to go with it that's that's my take.
0: Or he's going to have to reject it altogether.
1: I kind of, exactly. I kind of think he's, I kind of, I, I almost get the feeling that he is on a mission himself, though. I don't know why, but I almost get the feeling
3: that, yeah, I think we'll see how it goes. Yeah. You know, we cool. don't know. We, we, you know, he's the he's the guy that's the the, the mystery as to whether he's friend or enemy. Everybody mm-hmm. else, is pretty, the battle lines are pretty well clear, right?
2: Yeah. With him, it's kind of. Uh... We're never quite sure about Thompson, about whose side he's
3: going to end up on. Yeah, and he could be the wild card in the resolution to the whole thing.
0: Too. Well, and, and you guys remember, all through season one, I had a feeling. I really thought Thompson was going to be Hydra.
1: Oh, so did I. You know, that, really? too. Yeah.
0: Yeah, so, you know, they've been writing him this way all along, so that we don't really. We, we He may have his allegiance with the good guys, but we always feel like there's something else we don't know.
3: I mean, that could be a surprise, but I, I just look at him as being a, a substitute for Doom. I think what they've done is carried forward that character, the person who's in charge, uh, skeptical all the time, um, always a, a step behind uh, where Agent Carter and her inner circle are, and at the end you know Dooley did the right thing he did the honorable thing is Jack Thompson going to do that I I think he's he's very much the same character they just changed the name and face and and carried him forward because they lost Dooley he blew himself up in season one he's the new Dooley hmm interesting
0: interesting we'll have to wait and see won't we
3: yep
0: well so the the second part of this uh this 2 hour evening was the episode Monster. And we took a very very dark turn with this episode. Oh yes. In in more ways than one um I will say one of the things that really stuck out at me in this episode was that Peggy has recovered Remarkably fast.
2: I, yeah, I'm glad I'm not yeah. the only one that noticed that. <laughs> it's a little um, I don't know. I'm I'm still saying she was exposed to zero matter and that could be it, but I could I mean, be wrong. I, I don't think she was protagonist a... protagonist centered healing. I don't
0: know. Yeah, well, I don't think she was, you know, up to fighting, uh, you know, uh, fighting fit, but she she sure was able to go back out in the field in a, in a hurry. Oh, and, but
2: uh, didn't but her stitches though in the last episode right? Yeah. Yeah, they did come up.
3: And...
0: Yeah. So we we ended with with Dottie being caught in the in the previous episode by by Thompson, handed over to Vernon, who hands her over to Whitney Frost because we now know that Whitney Frost has established herself as the head of the Council of Nine. Vernon's in bed with the council, so he's going along with it. Thompson is not too sure what's going on here. And uh, we get to see where they've taken Dottie. And um, she's in a room, tied to a chair, face-to-face with Vernon, who is unpacking his tools of torture.
2: Yeah, and Dottie doesn't really uh, think much of them, does she?
1: Well, um, and sorry, not to skip back a bit, but right before this though, we do uh, see right. Frost coming out of the um, movie studio, announcing the death of her
0: oh yeah 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 dearly, yeah, yeah
1: dearly departed husband and some of his associates who went down in a boat wreck off of Catalina. And while she is announcing this to the press, Carter and Souza are standing off to the side watching it, and Frost makes eye contact with Carter and mm-hmm. basically says, I will not let this stop me.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: So she's basically telling Carter, by the way, I know, run the show.
0: Yeah, good catch.
1: Oh, and another really quick catch. Uh, The uh, studio that she walks out of, uber geek moment, uh, is Anvil Studios, which I think is a nod to Bright Anvil Studios, which is a Canadian portion of Marvel. Okay, sorry. Huh,
0: I did not know that. Well, there we go. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know... Charles, where where we had in the previous episode this really great dialogue and these great moments with Dotty and Peggy. Now we get some more really great mm-hmm. sparring with Dotty and Vernon.
3: Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, yeah, this is this yeah. is great. I mean, and and the common denominator is Dotty. I think I think the actress that plays Dotty is magnificent in both her mannerisms and her her facial. Uh, expressions and their right. eye contact. Uh, it's all very well done. Um, we get um, the introduction, uh, again, uh, of uh, the uh, the war. The war comes back uh, in, in the manner that uh, Vernon Masters has been, uh, had revealed that he was an interrogator of, of Ilsa Koch, who is the um, beast of uh, Buchenwald, the butcher of Buchenwald, was the wife of the commandant of the Buchenwald concentration camp uh, notorious war criminal, very sadistic and um, he uh, he actually has her instruments or at least uh, knows what instruments to use that uh, by interrogating this Nazi war criminal he has learned all the tricks of torture and uh, she's going to make uh, Dottie uh, squeal like a pig and but, uh, uh, but, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead with the but, Daisy, because this is great. <laughs> well,
2: just about anything that he could do to her, like take out her teeth, take out her nails, burn her skin, whatever, she's already <laughs> done to herself in methods of stealing herself so that she won't squeal when this kind of situation happens because the Red Room prepares her. For this kind of thing,
3: yeah, and I, and the, and, the, and the 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 line that just just jumped right out at me is after he's sort of you know trying to do the physical thing, he, he resorts to the syringe of truth serum that uh, he's going to inject in her, and does inject in her, and uh, she she smiles up at him and says, "Oh, you you don't think this is going to work, do you? This is like mother's milk to me." And it was like that was just a classic line. This is like mother's milk. And I'm thinking, yeah, you know, here you've got this psychopath who uh, basically she's she, she's uh, she loves it. She's, she she tortures herself just for giggles, by the sounds of it. And um, so, what do they, what are they going to get out of her?
0: Yeah, yeah. It's it's <clears throat> it was a wonderful moment. And you know, before any of the actual torture happened, Vernon's already frustrated with her. Um he tries not to let it show but we we see it. He he's not quite sure what to make of this chick. And um we we immediately as as after he injects her, we immediately flash to uh the lab uh-huh. where uh Wilkes has built his uh his very diesel era looking so containment cool. unit.
1: It looks like something out of Tomorrowland at Disneyland
0: yeah it did didn't it
2: and you know disney's got a hand in this
0: one. yeah oh,
1: uh, oh yeah but i was just i looked at it and went wow
2: <laughs> i felt like i've seen that at the amusement park
0: yeah it was not what i was expecting to see
2: <laughs> i really like the uh co- co- cooperation between him and anna and how anna is helping him out with everything i was worried you know that with all this other stuff going on with Dottie and everybody if they were gonna you know if this character was gonna get pushed aside a little bit and i think He's starting to feel that way as well, but it's good to have Anna around helping him out.
0: Well, yeah. So they they introduce her as you know reintroduce her in the previous episode as really being his eyes and hands, um, and and furthering that. And they're all this whole episode, all of the interaction with Wilts and Anna, and everything that you see from Missus Jarvis is all building her up as a as a empathetic character for us. Um we won't we won't reveal the end yet, but um everything there is is making her more endeared to us.
2: And you always you always go uh-oh when that happens.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um but you know, it, it works, right? He they they in they uh introduce the zero matter, he absorbs it and the containment unit is able to contain him and keep him solid. And we find out later even more. Um, so uh, anything else uh, in that scene that we need to touch on
1: yet? Uh, uh, yeah. Um, who's the one who fixed the, uh, the, the the radio transmitter so they could uh, locate Dottie?
0: Jarvis. More than where, meets the eye. I,
1: I keep saying, I keep saying this, but, 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 uh, Ah, anyways, <clears throat>
3: sorry. Well, we, we, we all, you know, they, they do like to jump from one scene to another. And, uh, we shouldn't forget the fact that they go back to the interrogation room where yes. Vernon Masters has been mastered by Dottie Underwood. And now, uh, Whitney Frost decides that she's going to take matters into her own hands. And, uh, she, she literally this, literally and she, she 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 does this beautiful line uh, when dotty's you know saying you know we're we're kindred spirits and <clears> something <throat> about you that I like, right so there's one psychopath to another. We're in
2: the same boat.
3: We're in the same boat says. and she says, and Whitney says, but we're not even in the same ocean. we're not even in the same boat we're we're not even in the same ocean and then at that point, zero matter becomes the discriminator. Between um, an ordinary psychopath and a superhero psychopath, because superpowers, like super powered psychopath, which is what Whitney is. And so, um, you know, these these little interplays, these one on ones, everything with Dottie, if you think about it, is all one on one. Is really, we've had her with Peggy Carter, uh, we've had her with Jarvis, we've uh, had her with Vernon Masters, now with Whitney, each one been sort of ratcheting up to the point where finally somebody's gotten the better of Dottie and it's it's Whitney
2: yeah it's the first time we actually see Dottie look like she is terrified she actually does not know what to do because usually she's got her steps planned yeah. out five steps ahead but with exactly. this with this having experienced the dark matter she has she actually answers the questions that Whitney asks her when she's under the dark matter, because it's it's got that much power. She's in that much pain, and she wants it to stop. So right. she tells Whitney Frost what it is that Peggy Carter wants.
3: And it was clever. It was clever if you think about it, because what they did was, you know, was the scene with Vernon Masters really needed? And the answer is, yes, it was, because... When we think about, it reminded me a lot of the scene in uh, *The Marathon Man* between Lawrence Olivier and Dustin Hoffman, where he's a dentist, an, a Nazi dentist who's a torturer. Um, you know, that reminded me of that. But if you didn't have that, then you wouldn't realize how much more powerful Whitney was, and how much more painful what Whitney did could be. I mean, let's face it, it trumped Nazis the worst sadistic Nazi torture ever devised by humankind. And so, uh, you know, that, that really was, a, a good, a good way to ratchet up the pain literally in, in, uh, in the whole scene.
0: Yeah. So, um, she, she spills everything. She talks about, uh, Wilkes being immaterial. And of course, <clears throat> Whitney is fascinated by how the zero matter affects different people differently, um, and you see the the scientist in her kind of come out. She's she's like you can see her in her mind running through the potential experiments that she could do. Um, but but you know that's that that was obviously a distraction for her because she refocuses on on what's at hand. But um, they uh, they they set a trap. Or at least, you know, Jarvis points out when when the necklace starts transmitting again, all of a sudden he he and and he and Peggy are gonna go, you know, rescue Dottie. He he says, You know we're walking into a trap. And and she says absolutely. But why why did that not phase her? I don't remember, you know, is it just her sense of adventure or does she have a plan?
1: Well, I mean, she's she's intelligent to know that if, if the... If, if Donnie if had been the one to make the um, necklace stop transmitting, uh, then it would have stayed dead. But the fact that it was... Conveniently turned on at a, at a certain time, you know. Immediately, Carter knew that you know, no, this someone wants this transmitter to be found, and I think that's why he was like, "Oh yeah, this is you know, this is a trap." Um, well, we also uh, jumped over the fact that another player has shown up on the scene or reappeared on the scene on Frost's side, Manfredi his goons and not only has he shown up but uh he uh he th- th- seems uh, seems uh, a little little bit of the old uh spark has rekindled uh between frost and manfredi manfredi is uh taking his position back
0: and why not chadwick's out of the picture
3: sure And I think we also skipped over the fact, or maybe we haven't yet, but we also have that uh, this romantic subplot gets more complicated. Oh yeah. When Wilkes and Peggy kiss. Yeah, because he, go, he, he goes. Solid. He goes solid, right? Yeah, yeah, that
2: happens. That happens a tad bit later when he finally turns solid, but yeah, it's yeah. going to get a little more complicated.
3: <laughs> and we find out that Mrs. Jarvis is Hungarian. Yes. Remember we we, didn't, we, had, we couldn't figure we, we said Eastern European but we weren't quite sure. And then she says, Let me prepare a Hungarian feast for you you know, with Jarvis uh, with uh, Wilks, and um so that gave a, a big clue.
0: and Jarvis apparently doesn't like Hungarian food. <laughs>
3: well, not being like
2: English like... he should talk. Well,
1: it, it's not—it's not so much that he doesn't like Hungarian food. Uh, when Wilkes asks, you know, how's her cooking, he's like, eh. "Well, he, you know, he politely waits till she's out of the room."
0: Well, I—I I don't know. I like Hungarian food. <laughs> I was a little bit jealous of Wilkes there.
1: So from there, you know, with uh, uh, Wilkes re- re- regaining his uh, his. St- solid form um, you know of course Carter goes up to to call Sousa and um, Sousa souza has to keep uh, mentioning uh oh well, yeah sure mom uh-huh because someone is standing in his office that's right
3: that's right we get Vernon masters again um, and this time he's going to really take over because he's He's got a plan for Sousa, right?
0: Yeah, he's got to uh, recover the stolen uranium rods, and and you know it's obvious that Vernon knows that Sousa knows where they are.
3: Mm-hmm. Right.
0: Um, <clears throat> uh, you know he knows that that Peggy is the one who stole them, and uh, he's 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 trying to tempt Sousa the same way he has Thompson, but at the same time he's given him. An ultimatum,
3: right? And we can see the contrast, the ethical dilemma, and the and the this sort of moral corruption that Vernon Masters is trying to play in the name of government. That Souza's reaction, in comparison to Jack's, is completely different. That Sousa is not buying what Vernon is selling, as opposed to Jack. So that was that contrast was very vivid.
0: Yeah, and I, I love Sousa's reaction. Well, we'll do our best, but I can't promise anything. Right. And then let's see. Our next scene, we see uh, uh, Peggy and Jarvis getting ready for this uh, this mission, and we're introduced to a new piece of tech.
3: <laughs> That's the right. The Mm-hmm. When I first saw it, I thought they were bringing out a portable barbecue. That's what it, that's what it looked like to me. Or you know, humidifier.
0: Yeah. Well, yeah. A few yeah. years ago, our our basement flooded, and they brought in these yeah. air blowers to go under that's the carpet, right. and that's what it looked like to me. Yeah. Um, yeah. One, you know, it was wonderfully um, period sci-fi right there.
3: Absolutely. Yeah. Loved it.
0: And um, what it did. Um, yeah, I I thought it was so peculiar that Stark had built a weapon that did something so specific and that, you know, used a combination to activate it. I, I thought that was, I knew as soon as Jarvis was demonstrating it, having to punch in the key code, I was like, this is not going to end well.
3: Right. right. Oh, no. And and what's interesting too about this technology is, this is a weapon that the military are developing. These sonic weapons, that blast out these enormous uh, uh, waves of of, uh, of, of sound. You know, there's a combination of sound and and force. Well. And, uh, yeah. So I mean, it was, it was very. This is the this is what I think. We think Diesel Punk is is the idea that you go back to their time when their technology was new, and what would they think of a weapon like we have today? And uh, this is the kind of weapon that, that 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 that's retrofuturistic.
0: All right. Well, here's my ultra geek moment. Because that weapon was a direct nod to a later Marvel movie where they used this sonic weapon, sonic cannon against the Hulk in uh, Edward uh, Norton's Incredible Hulk. Um, So again, shades of the future Marvel Universe as well.
3: They have so much... Sorry, Dave, but just saying that when you think about it, there's so much that they have in terms of attention to detail i don't know how many people they've got to have on the sidelines saying oh here's an opportunity why don't we do this and it'll connect to that and it'll connect to that you know what i mean a lot whether it whether it's characters technology the story of 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 the origins of all of these people and what they may or may not become in the future there's got to be a lot of people that that are just you know, like cooks in the kitchen baking up all kinds of
0: stuff. Yeah, Marvel has a, an entire team of archivists and, great, and, and story continuity uh, folks. But Daisy, you were about to say.
2: It was just uh, one more thing about this um, this weapon. When Jarvis started talking about the combination and punching it in, I thought, you know what? I bet I know what that is.
0: <laughs> and it turned
2: out I was right. I was right about the, what the combination was because I it was it was a Howard Stark Howard
0: Stark know? yeah yeah oh yeah,
2: yeah. So, um, no I didn't guess whose it was but I knew it was I knew it was what it was and that's all I'll say about that yeah. well they, there
1: there's another really really t- I mean and, and again this is you know great acting and and great writing right here was the um, the touching moment with uh, Anna and Jarvis and you know Anna on f- a becoming more accepting of the fact that her husband is basically becoming you know a super spy agent and you know even though she's not 100% you know going to like it she's she's going to accept it because she loves him that much and uh, you know, I thought it was a really good, good touching moment right there, between the the two characters.
0: Yes, it, it was. And again, endearing us more and more to her, building towards what's coming.
2: So mm-hmm. it hurts more.
0: Yeah. Um, so so they introduce the jitterbug, and then where do we go from there? Well, we got the
3: scene with <laughs> Vernon and Souza. Yeah, we got them in the car. Then we've got the scene with Peggy and Jarvis in the car, talking about uh, Peggy's dilemma. The yes. romantic subplot now yes. now comes he, up to be the major uh, element of uh, discussion between the two of them.
2: As he says, she has gone from famine to feast.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, go
0: ahead. No, go ahead, Ken
2: i I
1: think what's really important about this particular scene is is that even though you know we've it, from the outside looking in, you know it's, you know we can see the appeal of Agent Carter um, and why you know men would fall head head over heels for her. It's interesting in the dialogue between the two of them that she doesn't see herself that way. You know, you know, which which I find very very interesting, considering that she has used her sex appeal and and so on and so forth as a disguise uh, when out in the field. But in reality, she just she doesn't feel that way about herself, you know. And it, it's very odd to her
3: that two men are vying for her attention. Yeah, and I think there's an implication here that she's made a personal vow. Going back to when she lost, um, you know, Captain America, mm-hmm. that she wasn't going to let a, an emotional situation, a romantic liaison, uh, stop her from from her career. And if you think about it, this is very much um, the the discussion that's happening today in modern society about the role of women, um, the fact that you know, can they be leaders? Can they be on top of their professions uh, because they, they al- always have to defer to the call of motherhood or, or being a wife. And, uh, and and the romantic elements, obviously, uh, they're considered the weaker sex, right? The women are the weaker sex. And so we've now got in this, this whole romantic subplot the, the vulnerability of Agent Carter. And she actually says, I don't know what to do. And And I think it's almost as if she's saying, I don't know what to say to myself about the promise I made to myself to not let this happen. And uh, I think that was really, uh, it's really brought this whole subplot to a point of decision on her part.
0: Well, what I really liked about this scene, you know, in contrast to the scene in the van with, with Peggy and Susa, which, felt to me a little bit silly, a little bit out of place. This scene, they're driving to the rescue mission. And and Jarvis just stops the car in the middle of the road, and it felt very real to me. It felt very humanizing for these characters that hey, we're going to deal with this right now. And um I thought it worked exceptionally well.
3: Yeah, I liked it. I thought I thought it did too. And I think that um, you know when, you, when we, we look at we look at age, my my personal view of Agent Carter is she's a superhero without superpowers, and this is her kryptonite right here. Um, what we've got is obviously a situation where she uh, doesn't want this to affect the mission, doesn't want to affect her, her career and her aspirations and um, she's going to be faced with a choice that she knows she's going to have to make in the end if she survives all this stuff you know, in the back of her mind she's always got to focus on the mission and, this, and <coughs> the survivability of it so she doesn't want to break their hearts she doesn't want to go through the pain that she went through with Captain America it's all coming to, to a head, what we've got is all these subplots are now coming to a point of resolution you know, who's the real enemy? Um, you know, how do we defeat uh, Whitney Frost? Which side is Jack Thompson going to be on? What decision w- will she make in, in this this choice she has to make between uh, Jason Wilkes and uh, Susa?
0: Well, and while, while Jarvis and, and Peggy were having a uh, a come-to-Jesus meeting in the car, Wilkes and Mrs. Jarvis were enjoying... Um, some of her cooking and again we get to see more of this relationship between them developing um, not a romantic relationship but a, a very um a very sweet relationship and we we get to see mrs jarvis's character even more she, you know she she's just she's got a pure heart and and Mm -hmm. just genuinely loves the people around her. And this whole scene where they're eating and and Jason's in the containment unit, the one thing that I kept thinking to myself is, where's he going to lay down and sleep? (laughs) Does he got to stay in that for the rest of his life?
2: I mean, curl up really small.
0: Yeah, it was an odd thing to think about, but that ran through my head.
1: That that's funny because I I I had a different thought. I was I looked at him and went, "Is he wearing a Jarvis's uh, um tie?"
0: He probably was.
1: The the, the tie that when uh, when they went to the um
0: the casual tie?
1: The cat, yes, the casual tie. It, it's it's strange things that cross
3: through our minds, folks. And and you know when you think about it, I just you guys talking, it made me think that maybe Adrian Carter won't end up with anybody. If you think, think about it, sousa has got Violet to deal with, and um, and then Jason's now got this situation with uh, Jarvis's wife. So well, so
1: well, I, I mean, we know how we know what eventually happens with Carter.
3: That's and, right. Uh,
0: from I from don't think.
1: Yeah, I, from I Winter
0: Soldier, so. we know.
1: Yeah, and I don't, and I don't think she, uh, I don't think she would have taken that position had had she been involved with somebody. Yeah,
0: right. she. Right. We we know from uh, Winter Soldier that she doesn't end up with either of these guys.
3: Yeah. So. So there's something bad happens to them, or they part in separate go separate ways. Yep,
0: yeah, we'll just have to wait and see. Um. But really really nice scene there between uh Anna and and Wilkes. And um so Jarvis and Peggy get to uh get to Whitney Frost's estate. They sneak in uh, the, 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 the the goons come out really well. Jarvis plants the jitterbug. He punches in the code and nothing happens. He does it again. Nothing, and the jig is up. They are caught at gunpoint, and um, and ushered down into the dungeon with Dottie. Now, it, it, for I, I can't remember. Is Whitney there at that time or no? Do, no, it,
1: it, it's it's all between. At this point, the dialogue is all between Carter, Dottie, and uh, Jarvis. And, Do- and Jarvis is continuously saying over and over and over again the combination because he can't figure out why it didn't work right. And basically, the major dialogue is is between Carter and, and Dottie threatening each other.
0: Yeah, they're having kind of a race to see who can get free first. And, um...
1: And Jarvis beats both of them.
0: Yeah. Again, <laughs> he get he gets more than meets the eye. There, I, Ken, I'm with you on this. There's there's something that needs to happen. That that awakens whatever is buried in Jarvis's well. We
1: know history. what that is,
0: but we can't see it yet. No, we can't. Um. But but bit by bit through these last few episodes we're seeing more and more he's the guy who has kind of anticipated everything he's got the w- right equipment at the right time he's been able to fix you know uh the the radio transceiver he's been helping wilks with scientific experiments we're we're seeing more and more layers at the same time he's been the comic foil and and this is an example of it with the jitterbug not working
1: at first at
0: first and and
1: and and then it does
0: yeah because he he remembers yeah
1: Yeah. And, and what does he remember daisy
2: he remembers that uh the oh i don't remember who they were but he remembers that those were carol lombard's measurements that he was putting in and carol lombard's measurements were for a different function (laughs) <laughs> Mainly for a delayed reaction from the jitterbug.
1: Wasn't the other one that he was supposed to put in Rita Hayworth?
2: Something like that. Let me see. I'm, I'm just coming up on that scene now.
0: Yeah, well, and what was great? Right... No,
2: Carol Lombard was what it was supposed to be. He put in Barbara Stanwyck's it's measurement. Barbara
0: oh, okay. Stanwyck, yes, yes. And and I loved it because the timing here was... Just right, right?
2: Right, and that is just the kind of password Howard Stark would use.
0: Yeah, yeah, it is. It is. You know, the three of them have finally gotten free. He realizes, oh, this is the delay. We, we don't know if there's going to be a physical confrontation between Dottie and Peggy at this point, but we don't have time to find out because the jitterbug goes off. And um, somehow... Jarvis and, and Peggy are able to contain Dottie, drag her out, and I believe this is where the the realization that Whitney Frost is not there and Dottie has kind of let them know that she's interested in Wilkes.
2: Yes, this is where that happens.
0: And yeah. And now the realization... Yeah, this, this isn't is the, the trap yeah the well, trap it's not be, just a trap it's a distraction
3: right. I mean it when you think about it, um, Peggy Carter says we're walking into a trap, but that's okay, but then this is what the real trap was so it, it goes right the way back to um, uh, you, you know they, they sort of they sort of left they left the place that, that Whitney Frost was going to. And um, so it was kind of clever the way they did that, yeah, so and,
1: and and when Jarvis realizes that Anna is in danger, I think that's when we see the click
0: well, no i I don't think so I, I I think we see his his desperation to get back and make sure she's safe. um I think we see the switch later, okay um but but so. We we flash and and Whitney Frost and Manfredi are at Starks. They've broken in. Um, of course, the alarm is going off. You know, we hear Jarvis's voice, but uh, Anna just thinks it's a, a malfunction, so she turns the alarm off.
1: Well, she's also drunk. <laughs>
0: Oh, yeah, they've had a $100 bottle of wine. They are crying into a $1,000 bottle of wine. Yeah, yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, so she's a little bit tipsy, and and she deactivates the security protocols. Uh, Whitney and Manfredi can come in. They get in and make their way down to the lab where Wilkes is in the confinement unit. And we learn that their, their purpose all along was to get him. Yeah. And um, this, this one part kind of surprised me, but delighted me at the same time. And that's when, faced with the danger, J- Dr. Wilkes steps out of the containment unit and is still
3: physical.
1: Well, he's also absorbed a bit of uh, frost. That's right. Yeah, because she oh, goes, "Yes." To, she goes to reach for him and he pulls dark matter out of her, which freaks her out. Because she, she, I think at that point she
3: realizes that he is a threat. And now we finally see the possibility of somebody being able to counter uh, Whitney's yeah. feature.
2: Maybe he's it, the only it, one it who can really take her down.
3: Right.
0: Now how help me out here, how is Wilkes subdued
3: though?
2: Give me a moment and I'll find out.
3: Yeah, well that I didn't like. Um, okay. It seems a little lame. Oh uh, yeah. We, we do need to make we do need to mention that there's an interaction between Wilkes and Whitney where um, Whitney is bargaining to bring Wilkes on board with her. The idea that they could join together as a team, and she then recaps some of the back uh, backstory for both of them in relation to.
0: Oh yeah, yeah, this was really good yeah, stuff.
3: Where where he used she, she played the race card, uh, saying that Wilkes was only really uh, uh-huh. able to get into uh, being a top scientist at Isodyne because of he was a token, and uh, she herself. Uh, Felt the same way, so they were kindred spirits, etc. And and she was trying to bargain to bring uh, bring him uh, onto her side, saying together we could rule the world or some, something like that. But he, she ends up, I think. and Correct me if I'm wrong, but she ends up clubbing him.
1: Yeah, uh, man Manfredi kind of takes his world's uh, uh, attention off of uh yeah off, off
3: of Frost, and Frost gets behind him, and it's like. Well, I'm not so sure about that. That's another
2: climactic.
3: Well, it's one of those plausibility factors again. It's like, okay, you've got these two people. We can see what both of them can do. Wilkes has only just become solid, but he's still you know got all the stuff inside him, and they've exchanged the the zero matter between them and and we know what Whitney can do with the zero matter. So why can't Wilkes do the same thing? and you know, can you really club somebody and knock him out? Oh.
1: Well, I mean, we've also we've also seen Whitney take a hit from Carter and shrug it off.
3: Oh yeah, yeah, exactly. So so, so it's like it's, ha- yeah, this is a device to get the plot moving forward with Wilkes, you know, being captive. But they could have done something more uh, exotic. I mean, you know, you know, I mean, where's where's the where's that little uh, those little. Um, Things that you would zap the head with, or um, you know, the, the 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 duster, the the bug sprayer. You know, we gotta have something like that, don't we? <laughs> <laughs> <Our Whitney's... laughs>
0: oh, well, you know, I think it just shows that even I mean, though they I, have this I, immense, I
3: can tell you, here's would be the perfect solution. Hmm. Whitney goes into the garden. She grabs the flamingo. Oh my God! I in, was going to say this. Turns it into a stick of black ice, and then clubs what? it. And um, then clubs it. Now that would have worked. I would have bought into that.
1: See, like the Queen of Hearts in in Alice yeah. in Wonderland uses the. Oh Hearts God! It. Yeah, I was okay. I was missed just thinking this, Charles. Get out of my head.
3: Yep. Missed opportunity. That that now that's believable.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, so. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I I think it just shows that you've got these two people who have immense power, but are still wholly human and do have vulnerabilities and weaknesses. And, um, you know, yes, Wilkes has, has become physical. He's, he's discovering some abilities, but you know, he's not at the level that Whitney is. So even though she could, you know, brush off a, a punch or two, um, he, he may not be to that level. So I, I don't have a problem believing oh, that he apologizing
3: can... apologizing for the script it's, it's, it's... <laughs> Well, you know,
0: well, because yeah, I, I don't know that I would have written it differently. Um, yeah. You know, a blow to the back of the head. I, I can believe that. But anyway, um, their, their whole mission, though, is to get him away and, and take him, you know, kidnap him. And um, Mrs. Jarvis um, gets um, in the middle.
1: Uh, before... Before we before we get to that though, before we get to the to to what we're because this is going to be a big long discussion. Sousa comes home. Oh and gets, yeah. And gets nope. beat the crap out of. Yeah. Yeah. He's basically sent a
0: message. Well, he, okay, so you're right. He he we did skip that. He he's been beat down. And when he hobbles back into the office, Vernon's like, rough night, huh? You know, he's very pleased with his men's handiwork. And um, Vernon basically relieves Sousa of duty. Yep. Which I think is a brilliant plot point. Because now it removes all of the restrictions on Sousa.
2: Yeah, now Sousa can do things Sousa's way.
3: Plus, it it's it also ratchets up the the idea of the takeover by now. It's not just the shadow government, but it's Whitney Frost and Vernon Masters. Uh, you know, really taking you, you know expanding their sphere of power. Um, and you know, with Vernon in control of the SSR, um, it looks don't things don't look too good. And uh, so we've, we've got the, the big bad uh, bogeyman coming back at us uh, with, with power that uh, is now invested in them.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So uh, <clears throat> good, good catch Ken. Um, he does get beat unmerciful and, and he knows who it is. He, he knows it's Vernon's man. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so, kind of back to the uh, the climax here, Uh, Mrs. Jarvis is is interjected herself in Frost and Manfredi's abduction of Dr. Wilkes. And Whitney, to buy her more time, does the one thing we feared the most would happen to one of our favorite characters. Mm-hmm. She uh she shoots her. In uh looks like the uh the abdomen. Was it my imagination or was it the same spot that Peggy got impaled? <laughs> that's what Yeah,
2: I, I was noticing yeah. that. Mm.
0: If it is, that's that's kind of a, a bizarre backshadowing or or maybe a, a foreshadowing to you know the, the previous episode with with Peggy recovering in the, in the bed and, you know, Anna looking at that, that bowl full of bloody water.
3: Yeah. And and the other thing is where do they take her? What's the first thing they do? They take her to the hospital, which is what they should have done with Peggy.
0: (laughs) Well, apparently it it didn't slow Peggy down that much though.
3: (laughs) I mean, you know, Peggy gets impaled with a, a iron bar And they take her to somebody's house to do first aid. And now we get something very similar in the exact same location of the body, which, you know, is life threatening, but not she didn't die. And they take her to the hospital. I don't get it. Well, I'm still mad about that.
0: (laughs) Tell us how you really feel. Um, But. And this is where, Ken, I think we are about to see the switch on Jarvis.
1: I think we're about to see the real Jarvis. Yes.
0: yes. Uh, and, and it hasn't happened yet. I think we actually see it happen silently in the very last frame, in the very last shot of this episode. Um, you know, they rush her to the hospital. Uh, you know, Peggy gets on the phone to call Sousa, and Vernon answers the phone and she knows uh things are really bad and and hangs up the phone
3: and um don't forget Dottie escapes
0: oh oh yeah she's in the trunk right she she's they've stuffed her in the trunk of the car as they rush into the hospital and and peggy warns the cop (laughs) there's someone in the trunk whatever you do do not open this trunk do not listen to her yeah, and he, she even flashes her badge. He, he knows that she's legit. And doggone it, why do these cops got to be so stupid? What does he do? He opens the trunk, and we, we learn that Dottie has escaped by killing the cop, and now she's on the loose with a weapon. Fantastic and vernon is in charge of the ssr and anna is may not make it according to what jarvis says
1: so basically we have anna shot Wilks captured we have susa displaced we have vernon running the show uh hey uh johnny can i make a reference you might like
0: Empire Strikes Back. There you go. Yes, this is the the end of Empire Strikes Back for Agent Carter. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Nothing looks good. And in this final frame, this final shot, Peggy sits down next to Jarvis on the bench, takes his hand, and this is where I think we see the switch starting to turn, Ken, because we see that that desperation in Jarvis's face. But in that last frame, I see that desperation turn into rage.
2: Oh yeah, he's he's ready. He he's out for blood. He's but ready for blood now.
1: If if you watch the previews for next week,
2: oh yeah. That wasn't on Hulu. I didn't get to see that. I
0: didn't see it either.
2: Oh, 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 oh. oh yeah. That's what Do I'm saying. Do we have something to look forward to?
1: Like I said, I think we get to see the real Jarvis.
0: I can't wait. I can't wait.
1: Because I mean, you, I mean, this man <clears throat> threw his military technically if if the story is real, he threw his military career away. To save this woman from Nazi-occupied territory. He's has, not going without a fight. He 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 has, like, basically showered her with affection. Holds this woman, like, in such high esteem and, and, and so much love, you know, that he is concerned about her feelings before going out into the field with Peggy. And now she's shot? Oh, oh, hmm oh sweet summer child someone is going to get hurt
3: yeah we're, we're getting we're getting to the, to the point i think there's only uh we've got a double episode next week and then the finale that's right and so uh we're, we're getting to the point now where all of these things are going to have to come to a head and uh they've set this thing up we've got the major setback in everybody's plans uh, in everybody's lives and uh Everyone who who's uh, on the good guy side of the equation is um, uh, on the verge of defeat. Um, Sousa, um, Jarvis we talked about, Peggy, uh, Jason Wilkes. Um, the, the bad guys have got the upper hand. And uh, that's exactly where they want us to be in this stage. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, you know, in, in when you contrast that to uh, the first season, I never felt like our heroes were at this point of desperation. You know, we we had a lot of intrigue, a lot of suspense, but I never really felt like they were so far behind the eight ball. Right. And. Um, it,
3: it, and I, and if you think about it, it was a it was a pretty linear plot. Things kept adding. You know, every episode added something. Uh, we were on a detective trail. It was very much a mystery. Clues. Everything was piecing together clues for the big reveal. Um, here, we've got all these different subplots going on. I mean, it's taken us five or six episodes to really figure out what the Zero matter is all about, to know who the Council of Nine are and what, how important their role is. To, uh, you know, all these subplots. Um, so I think they've made this thing uh, a lot more um, uh, intricate and woven these threads of these different plots together. Um, it's been a, a much more masterful uh, storytelling.
0: Yeah, I, I agree. <clears throat> I agree. I, I um, I've really been, and, and we've seen a lot more, um, a lot more of that uh, future tech that you dig so much, Charles.
3: Yeah, the retro future text. Yeah,
0: you know, you, we, we, we saw some in episode, or yeah. in season one, but... They uh,
3: started off with it. The first couple of episodes, they had all this really cool stuff, and then from that point on, uh, um, it, it diminished. But now they've, they've... It's going to be interesting, isn't it, to, yeah. see, to see how... We know they're going to succeed. I mean, if they don't, you know, not everything comes to a happy ending, and we, we've go- we're going to have some of these... I think the, the 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 basis of of modern television is that um, you know you're going to kill off some of your heroes and you're going to things are not always going to work out the way people expect them to. But by the same token, there's still some big questions about how these people are going to get defeated. We have no idea.
0: Well, yeah, I you know we said it last season. We we expected one of the uh, either Souza or Thompson to buy it um and and in the end it ended up being neither one of them it, w- it was duly um i'm pretty sure vernon is not making it out alive but the rest I, all bets are off man i have no clue
3: mm-hmm. well we i i get the feeling there's going to be a conf- I, th- I think the wild card in this there's two wild cards one on the human side and one on the Superhuman side. The the superhuman wild card is Wilkes. Yes, it's got the po- power that can right. potentially match mano a mano with with uh, with Whitney Frost. And then on on the on the other side, I think it's Jack Thompson.
1: Yeah, I, I was I was just going to say I,
3: I I think, I don't think Thompson got on that plane. Yeah, hmm. they need be, somewhere they need, the cavalry needs to be riding in. You know, and well, uh,
2: I know we and,
3: need and, some cavalry. But Johnson's the only one that actually has any power left, if you think about it. Well, so no, Dottie that. does. No, in terms of yes, and Dottie, Dottie too. But I, I'm not sure, sure her self-interest is going to. You know, she's ambivalent as to who wins or who loses. But see,
0: I don't think she is. I, mm-hmm. I think I think it's important to her that Peggy comes out on top in this, because yes, she sees her as a rival, as an adversary, but you know, I think, you know, it's oh, what, what is the example that? He, do, you, do you ever see the movie um, Unbreakable with Bruce Willis and Sam Jackson?
1: Oh yeah. I and and you going with this.
0: Yeah, and and how, you know, Samuel Jackson talked about how every hero has to have. His opposite has to have his villain, and every villain has to have his yeah. hero, and that they and they
2: have to be just about matched.
0: Yeah, well, they they have, to they have a balance.
3: The they, analogy I would use is Hannibal Lecter and Clarice Starling. Okay,
0: very much the same thing.
3: Very the, much the same thing. I mean, Clarice Starling got to the point where they were handcuffed together, and Hannibal <clears throat> Lecter cut his hand off rather than uh, do anything to harm her because he wanted. You know, I, I kind of I kind of agree with what you're saying there, but I, I think when it comes to the unknowns, we I'm not saying we know what Dottie's going to do, but we kind of know her character, and we kind of know that she's she's got this uh, love hate relationship with with uh, Peggy Carter, this this um, as you say, this hero anti hero bond. But I'm just trying to think about where uh, you know what's going to be the deciding factor. And really, there's to me there's has to be the superhuman uh, factor, and there has to be the human factor, and that's where I'm going with it in my own mind, trying to figure this thing out. They, 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 they put a, they've done a really good job of of raising a lot of questions that we don't have answers for, and that's what they're supposed to do. That's the whole purpose of keeping us entertained and keeping us hooked.
0: Yeah, Ken.
1: Or like I, you know, like I said, you know, Jarvis just rides in, beats everyone down, and and saves the
0: day, and and yeah. Well, <laughs> hey, the the other yeah. X factor that he
3: we does have does what I
1: want him to finally do, and be and ends up being like you know
3: the super. He, he rides in on the back of a pink flamingo.
0: Yes. Well, well, so hey, there are a couple of other X factors out there though. Um, we've still got Doctor Samberly with all of his gadgets and 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 weapons, Howard Stark is still out there somewhere, and you gotta think that the moment Howard Stark knows that that Mrs. Jarvis has been hurt, he's gotta come back. And we got another X Factor in Rose. We've got an entire team of people here that can be pulled in for the uh, for the crescendo.
3: And the flamingo.
0: Yeah, and 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 the koala. Like red sunglasses. Don't forget about the koala. Yeah, I
2: I don't think we're gonna be happy uh, unless the flamingo figures into the finale. I
1: I swear when I
2: saw the episode, the the, the koala comes in riding on the flamingo's <gasps> back to save the day. No, no, I was,
0: with I was, the bug sprayer. <laughs> yeah.
1: When I when I saw the episode when I saw the the um, the episode before monsters and you know, they do the cut where they showed, you know, life, life, life with the party. And they showed a cut of the Stark house and, and you hear the flamingo. I swear. I was like, dude, they did that for Charles. They did that for <laughs> Charles so that he could have his flamingo yep. still there.
3: Yeah.
0: I'm pretty sure they listened to the show. So yeah, they know. <laughs> All right. Any last thoughts about these uh, two episodes before we sign off for the night?
2: Well, I'm going to be on the edge of my seat till next week. Cause uh, I, I want Anna. I want to know that Anna's okay. I want to know. I want Anna to be okay.
3: <laughs> yeah. We've got, we've got a, a lot of things going on with a lot of different people who are the favorites of, of, you know, the viewers out there have picked favorites and, uh, so it's it's uh it's it's clever the way they've done it. I think they're they're um, they've got it's a soap opera. You know, who's what's going to happen to all these people? Who's going to win? How are how are the bad guys going to get defeated? It's uh it's all there. It's all ready and waiting for the last 2 weeks.
0: Yeah, I can't wait. Can't wait. Ken, any last words?
1: Uh I was just really pleasantly surprised and happy with you know the the monsters episode um, you know like we said very much a uh, Empire strikes back feel um, I mean even to the final scene of, of, of Jarvis and, and Carter sitting there in the hospital you know in the in the hospital together very reminiscent of you know Luke and Leia looking out the window as the Millennium Falcon, you know, flew away in a hospital. Uh, in a hospital. In the ho- Yeah, in a, on, on the hospital uh, barge. Um. And uh. Yeah, I'm uh really looking forward to seeing how this plays out because uh there are. There's a lot. There's a there's a lot that can go down, and. Um, like I said, you know, I I. I think Thompson is uh, is going to be uh, a, a, a pleasant surprise, and I can't wait to see Jarvis kicking some butt. Just, I, this is what I've been waiting for for two seasons. Right, give me my Jarvis.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, I will I will close by saying that I I do think that this is the best episode of the uh, of the two seasons so far of the series. Mm. Um, just so much good stuff happening, um, more than we can talk about. Uh, in one night and those of you listening um, let us know what you think um, send us your email at feedback at com, or post your feedback on our uh, Facebook page at facebook.com slash dieselpoweredpodcast let us know what you think about um, Life of the Party and Monsters and uh, where you see this going uh, you can follow us on Twitter at dieselpodcast and of course before we sign off I gotta mention our sponsor, Comic Bento. If uh, you like comic books, and uh, if you're watching Agent Carter, you most likely do. Um, comic Bento provides a mystery box of comics in your mailbox every month. For less than twenty bucks a month, uh, you're guaranteed to get at least fifty bucks worth of uh, graphic novels. And I, I'm talking about graphic novels. I'm talking about you know the, the thick graphic novels. The last box I got was valued at over seventy-five dollars and uh, less than 20 bucks, You can uh, check them out at mycomicbento.com, mycomicbento.com. And um, don't forget to tune in to the other great programming from the Diesel Powered Podcast. Uh, We'll have another episode with me, Daisy, and Boss Larry coming up soon, and uh, you won't want to miss that, uh, as well as some music specials on the horizon. So uh, check that out at dieselpoweredpodcast.com. And on behalf of Charles Cornell, Ken Sharkey, and Daisy O'Dare, this is Big Daddy Cool signing off, saying swing hard, swing often, and we'll catch you on the flip side.